Let us train the mind and sit in meditation. If we can train well in samadhi, the firmly concentrated mind, then it will be a resting place for our hearts. It's like we have a house. And in the time when the fully self-awakened Buddha was still the Bodhisattva Siddhartha, he went and trained with the two teachers, and it was not long before he succeeded in a high level of samadhi. He also went and practiced torturing his body. He fasted from food until he became so thin. If he touched his stomach, it would go to his back. So it shows he was extremely thin. It was just skin covering the bones. A normal person wouldn't have been able to endure this level of pain. Immense pain. And sometimes he practiced by stopping breathing. He clenched his tongue onto the roof of his mouth and stopped breathing. It was a lot of pain and torture. In the end he fainted three times. He tortured himself to the highest level. No one in this world had tortured the body to this level. They would have died first. So he practiced this self-torture to the utmost, but still did not yet succeed or attained to anything. He saw that it wasn't the right path. In the suttas it says that a Brahma god plucked three strings of a lute. The string of the lute that was too loose was not melodious. The one that was too tight made the string of the lute break. And this was a simile. The Buddha contemplated and saw that torturing the body to gain enlightenment would not work. No human would be able to do this. So he thought back to when he was a child. When he was just seven years old as a prince, he sat in meditation under the rose apple tree. At the time his father, head of the Sakyan clan, was leading the royal ploughing ceremony. So the prince wasn't playing like other children. He sat meditation under the rose apple tree and could enter first jhana, mental absorption, through using anapanasati, the mindfulness of breathing. So anapanasati is the crown meditation object of all the meditation objects. If we can train in anapanasati well, then it will promote all the other meditation objects as well. And so we know that avijja, ignorance, is the cause for sankhara, mental formations, and vijnana, consciousness, to arise. Then tanha, craving, arises. Upadana, clinging, arises. Then suffering arises. But we won't be able to see in time when these are separated out. Venerable Ajahn Chah said it's like someone falling from a tree and they aren't able to count how many branches they pass and they have hit the ground already. So our mind receives aramana, sense objects. There are sense objects that we don't like. For instance, the eye sees a form we don't like. Then the process of dependent co-arising of phenomena happens so quickly. And then suffering has arisen already. The dislike that comes from sense contact happens so quick. So we need to train. We train to have sati, mindfulness. If our mindfulness is firmly established, then we will be able to see and notice this process. 
and the thing that makes us not see this process that hides it is indulging in sense pleasures, sensuality. Like when our body is strong, we indulge in that. We haven't been sick in pain and suffering. We get sick, but it's just a bit of pain and sickness. But if there is sickness greater than this, with more pain and suffering, then we will have the feeling that this sankara, this physical form, is truly a heap of suffering. It's something heavy. It's the heaviest thing in the world. If we could see it, it might look like a big mountain. It's heavy. But the Buddha said that the thing that is heavy is upadana, attachment and clinging. The attachment to the khandas, the aggregates or heaps. The physical form is something heavy. The attachment to form. The five khandas is something heavy. It's that person who is the one who carries that heavy thing. The carrying of heavy things is suffering in the world. This body, which is this physical form, is something heavy. It's heavy because of attachment and clinging. So there are some people who can gain things and are not happy with what they have. They also suffer. Some people have a big house. Some have a little house. But if we contemplate and be someone who is content and has moderation, we are okay with whatever we can get, then we will live with ease. The house simply protects against sun, protects against wind, protects against all the insects and animals, and we use it in order to build goodness, in order to make our minds have Buddha nature to arise, so that it can bloom in our spiritual hearts. It's like we have a flower of Buddha nature. The first petal is like cleansing the body. We cleanse the body well, and then the flowers and petals are beautiful, not dreary. The person who doesn't cleanse their body and speech well, then the flower petals are not beautiful at all. But when we plant the Buddha flower in our hearts, and the root is established, then the Buddha flower will bloom and flourish. The first flower petal is having to purify our bodily actions and to purify speech, which we call sila, virtue. We have sila, like speech that doesn't harm each other. And when we do not harm others, this is like we do not harm ourselves too. And in this world, we can see there are a lot of people who harm each other through speech and actions, so chaos arises. And especially with speech, it's really easy to cause harm. We may not harm others physically, but harm others through our speech, which hurts other people's feelings. There is ill will and hate arising. There is insulting and meanness. Why? Because of thinking. I have more wealth than you. I have more wisdom than you. I have more wealth, rank, praise and happiness than you. And after having all of it, but possessing no mindfulness and wisdom, then one can look down on others. Humans like to criticize and find fault with each other. Why? Because of thinking. We are right. They are wrong. All the time. Even in comparison with the whole world, we are right. Whatever we do, we find the rationalization and reasons that we are right, and why others are wrong. 
So when each person thinks that they are right and others are wrong, then problems arise. Then it all becomes wrong and chaos arises. But however it is, however the world is like, we aren't able to make each person have good views. And the Buddha sees that people have suffering like this. And so he cycled through births and deaths, willing to build his barami, spiritual perfections, and sacrificed his flesh, blood, and life, doing this in each lifetime. And even if he was born as an animal, he was an animal that had barami. He was called a bodhisattva, or a maha bodhisattva, in his successive lives. He had been a monkey, an elephant, a fish, a bird, but in all these births, the bodhisattva had wisdom. He exchanged his flesh, blood and life for building the barami for bodhinyana, the wisdom of enlightenment. So he gained radiance and splendor, having great barami arise in his heart until his barami was full. But until he could make it full, he had met with many hundreds of past Buddhas, a great number, so he had lots of merit. In some lifetimes he was born as a lion. In one of them he put forth effort and looked after a past Buddha along with his noble disciples when they entered Niroda Samapati, attainment of extinguishment, for a full seven days and nights. How could a lion practice this to that level? And it wasn't just in one lifetime. In many lives he built his barami. And so when he did this, his barami became full quickly. And past Buddhas also promoted our Buddha to gain barami quickly, so that they all could help each other out to free living beings from the cycle of samsara. So we practice following the teachings of the Buddha that we have found already. The Buddha taught us to know this breath, to have mindfulness to be with this breath, to be with Bhutto until our minds become peaceful and the heart is calm. The flower petal that has bloomed with Sila has another petal that will bloom with Sati Sampajanya, mindfulness and clear comprehension, which looks after our minds to be firmly established. And then we have wisdom, we have calmness of mind. And when our minds are cool like this, then whoever comes to criticize, to scold us, and say bad things to us, we can endure it. We can endure it all. We can forbear with all the moods and sense experiences. The Buddha said that those who come to practice and train must be like a war elephant who can endure against arrows. So we try to be intent and have a mind established in goodness. We have patient endurance. We have sila and samadhi. And when wisdom arises, we think, why should we get angry? Why should we harm? Why scold them? Why argue and dispute with them? Why try to win over them? It is better if we accept and yield. If we can't accept and yield, then our minds can't be cool. So if we do not develop our minds in this life, then which life will we develop the mind? When will we again have the chance to meet the Buddha's Dhamma? So we must maintain our faith and make it firm. So may you give puja, homage through your practice to the Buddha who had sacrificed his flesh, blood and life in every lifetime for countless lives.
for us. So why don't we do anything for the Buddha? We do it for him, but he doesn't receive it, but we ourselves will receive it. And so may you be determined to practice like this. May you grow in Dhamma, see the Dhamma, and attain to the Dhamma, following the Lord Buddha. May you grow in blessings. Thank you.